The following episode of Fast Break Breakfast contains explicit language. All right, welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. The full episode with Chuck and John will be out uh, TBD. Not sure when that's coming. Might be this week, might be next week. No way to know. I will say, however, as we speak, or as I speak to you on this Monday night, uh, Chuck is out and about Nashville hunting Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq is in town. He actually came into one of Chuck's buddies' specialty shops, Hail Dark Aesthetic, uh, you know, looking for some good taxidermy or whatnot, as uh, Shaquille will do. Also, uh, through some digging, some snooping, through a network of kind of like the Fight Club Space Monkeys, maybe he got a tip from a valet, found out where Shaq is staying. So, you know, I told Chuck on our Patreon-only Slack chat, if he doesn't get a tattoo with Chuck tonight... Just don't even bother showing up to the next podcast. We're gonna, we're gonna need that from Chuck. So, uh, Shaq is in town. He's out and about. Not a whole bunch going on in the NBA. I guess the uh, hyper-specific Grizzlies news: Javon Carter, the second-round draft pick, who they took purely for PR purposes. That's my claim. Uh, he tore a ligament in his thumb. He's gonna be out a while. Uh, but they got Shelvin Mack. And, uh, of course, I like Andrew Harrison, so I don't know how much of a it's going to matter for the Grizzlies, but definitely unfortunate for Javon Carter, who, you know, if he wanted to be fighting for playing time, he's going to be out a little bit. Uh, besides that, I mean, James Harden threw someone's phone at a strip club or something, you know, just regular James Harden stuff. Briante Weber's back, coming back to the heat. Carmelo Anthony, of course, finally consummated the deal with the Rockets after what seemed like weeks and weeks of lead up but uh so yeah not not a whole bunch going on uh anyway if you want more fast break breakfast chuck once he tracks down Shaq, uh his story he has a mini episode a mini pod going up on patreon only explaining how he lost his phone in denver if you remember a couple episodes ago he had to call in from his girlfriend's phone because he didn't he didn't even have a phone number we could only uh communicate with him through slack so Chuck uh, explains all that. That story might be too hot for the lower levels of, uh, of Patreon. It might be a $5 and up story. We've been giving everything away this summer at the $1 level. So, you know, it's summer. It's off-season, encouraging people to join. But, yeah, so jump in there. For $1 a month, you get access to most of the content, maybe just not the premium uh, Chuck secret stories. He can't let all that stuff out, you know for legal reasons and such. But if you want to support the show, you want to get access to that bonus content. I mean, that $5 tier where you get Chuck's story, uh, that's also the fantasy basketball tier. We got fantasy basketball coming up in just, you know, a month or two. So if you want to support the show, you've been listening a long time, you've been thinking it's time to jump in, it is time to jump in. Help us out. Support us. Patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. We love everybody who's already done it, who helps us out. We got 71 of you right now choosing to pay for this uh, product. But uh, the rest of you guys, come on now. Join your fellow buddies over there. Patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. My guest today is a writer at large for Bleacher Report. 
He's been on many podcasts. Uh, I'm not sure what they are, except for Round Ball Rock, which yeah, uh-huh. he is officially the host of, although legally he denies it. Dave Schiller. Yeah, not true. I am not not the host. Joey Devine is the host, and he does a great job. Good for him. Well, I know you, you, know? I know you have to say that legally, but you are the host of Round Ball Rock. Yeah, sexually, I am the host of Round Ball Rock. Right. What is a writer at large? What does that mean? I'm a podcaster at large. Is that can I say that now? I'm out. I'm out and about doing things, writing for places, writing, writing stuff. I'm large. I'm probably the heaviest I've ever been in my life. Uh, so that must you're be peaking. It. You're peaking. That's good. Yes, I'm peaking. I'm I'm uh, also busting out of my shorts. But anyway, <laughs> hey now, not in the way you think. Oh, that's disappointing. Well, Dave, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we, uh, we start, you know, all of our talks usually, uh, talking about breakfast. So the question is, do you, do you, Dave, typically have your breakfast before or after defacing a LeBron mural? Oh, I would never do that. I'm fully on board with LeBron James. Oh, Uh, but I, I, yeah, yeah. What what do you, what do you take me for? Some kind of a monster? I don't know. I know you're kind of a Kobe guy. My understanding is you're a bit of a Kobe man. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's sort of like, uh. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Let's say you are a Yankees fan. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. Of course. It's a repulsive idea, but let's say you are, and you grew up in the '70s. As a kid, you loved Reggie Jackson. Does that mean you're going to start hating Derek Jeter? No. Okay. That's ridiculous. Are you going to start hating Alex Rodriguez? No. It's just a, a modern evolution of your favorite team. I no, found it, you, someone you, who's an employee of someone in, you know, a, a network involved with the NBA uh, who is a Lakers fan who apparently, I just found out, quit the Lakers during Kobe's entire career and is now back on. Interesting, because they just didn't like him when he was 18 and he yeah. came into the league. Somehow, I, mean, I just don't, got, I just don't got, care got, for this kid's face. Got got the whiff of I, I don't like this. Uh, I don't like this person. I'm out. That's interesting because you know I can think of four or five things to not like about Kobe Bryant, but picking his first season when he'd I, done yeah. nothing. I think it's when uh, maybe it was a purist. He waved off that pick from Carl Malone, and she's like, "Oh no, no!" He disrespected Carl Malone in an All Star game. I'm out. That's ridiculous. Oh, my that, God. That is ridiculous. I don't know if you saw on NBA TV today as I was sitting down thinking up, uh, you know, it's the offseason. Nothing's going on. But I, I want to talk to Dave Schilling about something. Kobe Bryant was on TV. He was playing the Miami Heat. It was a classic, a classic game. I believe it was his first game against Shaq uh, on the Heat. It came down. Oh, that's Christmas Day. Yeah. Came down to the final possession. Lakers down two. The Heat had double teamed Kobe Bryant uh, for this. The Lakers are inbounding with three seconds left. He's double teamed. He still miraculously gets himself open enough to catch the inbounds pass and get up a contested three pointer, which would have won the game had it gone in. Felt like a classic, you know what? classic Kobe literally, moment. Literally the greatest player of all time. Uh, <laughs> there is no one who even touches him in terms of athletic ability, basketball. IQ. I mean, he's just God level. <laughs> what he didn't—he didn't even want to make that shot. He's I like, know. you know what? I'm going to let Shaq have this. One this is I don't better narrative about wise. Rings. Right. I'm about rings. I'm not about Christmas Day. Who cares? I had forgotten, honestly. Even though I lived it, I tweeted through it. I mocked it. I had forgotten exactly how bad his final season was. 
it being statistically the worst shooting season on record in the three-point era of the NBA. I mean, who cares? No, like, I don't know. People, I don't know who cares. People are so focused on, oh, he was terrible those last few years. He was just, just a ball hog, and, and he stunted the development of all these players. Eh. Worked out so, great. Yeah, everything's fine. LeBron James signed with the Lakers. <laughs> the players that they have are the players that they needed to keep. And uh, as much as I love D'Angelo Russell for a couple seasons, I was fine to see him leave. All right, before we jump back into how things are now fine and the things that happened needed to happen, I, I had to get the, the, the joke in about the murals. But Dave, what is your breakfast? Oh, my actual breakfast? Your actual breakfast, uh, I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge breakfast guy, but I'll do like a... Uh, you know, if I'm not going out and going to Starbucks or something, you know, something bad for me, I'll hard boil an egg and I'll have some cereal. I had, uh, the the Aero Aeron is this uh, this health food chain in Los Angeles, and they do a great uh, brown rice cinnamon cereal. So I'll do that. Ooh. coffee and a hard boiled egg. That's a very that's a very tasty breakfast. I don't. I've never heard of this uh, health food store chain, but it's, it sounds yeah, good. Yeah, because I live in California. I know you we guys have, have all kinds we have of all fantastic kinds of shit you don't know about. I know it's great. There's all kinds of like soup and salad places. Apparently, we don't have those. I mean, we have soup we have a Shoney's. Yeah, I feel like I was ta- <laughs> I was talking with some of your Rambo Rock guys. Sal- oh, you mean like uh, they like, got they got soup plantation out there? Uh, yeah, you got two, you got a Sizzler. Uh, You're joking. Soup and, you you soup, soup plantation is, appara- is is apparently a thing. That I just learned about a couple weeks There's ago. There's a whole other world of the, uh, culinary delights in Los Angeles. It's, how is it possibly called soup plantation? It's it was a mistake. It was a bad branding <laughs> choice. There are a lot of places in the in the country where it's called sweet tomatoes because they want black people to come. Yeah, that is. It's stunning. It's not great. It's and, not great. All right, so so back to the Lakers, who you think sure. everything worked out fine. You guys got all the yeah. players you needed to get. Oh yeah, we got Lance Stevenson, we got Rondo, we got all of them. You you got all of them. This team though, to close the to close the chapter on my Kobe hating of this episode. How good does Kobe actually want LeBron James to do? Cuz there's literally no chance he wants the Lakers to win a title while LeBron's there, right? I don't think he cares. Really? I truly do. Kobe Bryant has an Oscar. He has you think Oscar. he's like sitting around picking his nose, thinking about whether or not LeBron James is going to win five championships or not? Yes. No. Wait, he's not? Also, roll it back. Roll it back. Okay. This is his former agent, okay. Rob Palenka, yes. is the general manager of the Lakers. Right. They are very good friends. In fact, one could argue that Kobe potentially, I have no inside information about this, but it would it would stand to reason that Kobe Bryant had something to do with Rob Palenka being hired no. in the first place. No. Yeah, it's very possible. Do you think he wants his friend to fail? Absolutely not. It's just ridiculous that you think he's like counting rings all day. He's not. He's a grown man. He has five championships. He has has a legacy that will endure for forever as long as there is the NBA. People will remember Kobe Bryant. He has... Uh, his two jerseys retired. Only, only guy in in NBA history to have two jersey numbers retired by the same team. He's getting a statue. He's going to the Hall of Fame. You think he's just like, oh yeah, you know what? That fucking LeBron James. I hope he never wins another basketball game ever again. No, 
Yeah, that is not no, the case. yes. People have everything horrible... I've ever been told about Kobe Bryant leads me to believe that yes. If the seventy-two Dolphins are cracking open champagne when NBA, when NFL teams lose, like, and they don't complete their perfect season, like a maniacal competitor, the a sociopathic competitor like Kobe Bryant, seems like he would not want LeBron to match him with uh, all-time titles. He might prefer him not to, but you think he's like trying to undermine him? No. Oh, I'm not saying he's actively sending his agents out into the field uh, to, to do these things. Or maybe he did. Maybe he said, hey, Palinka, buddy, <laughs> good friend. Why don't you sur- surround LeBron James with Lance Stevenson? That's ridiculous. <laughs> the, the amount of, of like conspiracy theory nonsense around Kobe Bryant on both sides of the uh, of the divide just proves how important of a player he was. There are people who are pro Kobe Bryant who will say all kinds of crazy things about how great he is. And there are people who hate Kobe Bryant who will invent these notions that he's some sort of Machiavellian shadow president, Dick Cheney monster. Like he's just, yeah, he's maybe not the greatest guy. You know, there's certainly plenty of proof that he's not a great guy. Uh, but like the, the reality of the situation is far less interesting than anyone's conspiracy theory. I'm sorry. He, he's just happy to chase the, the animated short Oscars. He already has one, bro. I know, man. <laughs> doesn't need another one. He doesn't have to give that back. He's got uh, one more than Shaq. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so you think, do you think this Lakers team as presently constructed, um, are, you, are you optimistic about it? Do you think they can, they can win 50 games? Or uh, can I phrase it, do you actually sure. think they can win 50 games? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I, I forget what the over under number was, it was in the forties somewhere. Um, and I kind of understand that. I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it. The Western conference is very tough. You know, when you go down the list of the best teams in the Western conference, a lot of people forget about Utah, but Utah is still the same team. They were last year. Very good. And second season from Donovan Mitchell, uh, you have to assume he's going to continue to improve. Uh, sophomore slump doesn't seem likely. It's a system, um, you know, a great coach, a well-coached system in Utah. And they have fans that are very passionate. It's a hard, hard place to win a basketball game. Uh, and, you know, then you have to wonder if Minnesota is ever going to figure it out. San Antonio has DeRozan now, a full season of him, hypothetically, assuming he doesn't get hurt, as opposed to zero Kawhi Leonard. Uh, it's going to be tough, but when you look at the Lakers roster, it's a very weird team with a couple exciting young players and arguably the best basketball player of the last 20 years. So LeBron James, he's capable of so much. It's hard for me to really doubt him, you know? Mm -hmm. I think I think I think they can win 50 52 games somewhere around there. I think it's possible. I'm in a I'm in a weird spot as someone who you might have got I might have been giving it off. I don't like the Lakers very much earlier. That's fine. But I don't like you. Yeah, no, it's fair. I'm not very likable, much like the Yankees or the Lakers. But uh, I really like LeBron James. I really like Lonzo Ball. Uh, this is kind of tough where I'm enjoying all these players. But is the plan, is the optimist take from Lakers fans that all these players are going to take some kind of leap, be it assisted by LeBron, that Brandon Ingram becomes, you know, he, like he makes a big jump, Kuzma makes a jump, 
Josh Hart makes a jump and you have all these four guys who are going to be like beside LeBron and that's the way this team like can make it to a second round of the playoffs or, you know, win 50 something games. Yeah. I think the only way that they win, excuse me, only way that they win 50 games is for all of those guys to play above where they played last year. It's not going to happen if Lonzo Ball is still shooting as poorly as he did last year. Uh, he's going to have to start to be more aggressive about getting to the basket. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be an average three-point shooter. I think he'll always be a below-average shooter. But he needs to be able to be like a Rajon Rondo or an Isaiah Thomas and figure out how to get to the hoop and get those easy buckets under the rim. If he can do that, he can be an above average player. I don't think he's ever going to be a true all time great, but he can be pretty good if he can get to the basket. But he seems very hesitant to do that, or he did last year. Ingram's going to have to start shooting threes. He's absolutely has to start shooting better than 35% or around there uh, in order to be the effective shooter that he has to be on a team without any shooters. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a historical... I mean, I guess there's no real historical analog when you're dealing with a guy like LeBron James and his teammates, but just trying to think of a team that is hoping maybe the four most important players outside of their best player are all, you know, first or second year guys. They're hoping make, like, big jumps. Like, I don't feel like that... I feel like as fans, we always expect every player to get better their first couple years, and uh, and I guess I, I think they're they're asking a lot. As much as I personally like like all those guys... I feel like Kuzma's the natural one for a letdown. Like maybe we never see kind of the magic that we once saw from him. But uh, I don't know. It seems like a lot to ask to hope that these guys congeal into something around LeBron James to, uh, you know, to be better than these Cavs teams the last, or at least the Cavs team last year, which at the very least had the luxury of not having to win that many games to make the playoffs. Well, I think one thing that, might benefit the Lakers in this situation is that LeBron James is a natural leader. We've seen that over his entire career. You know, we're, we're the ones speculating that he's the shadow GM. He's the shadow coach. He does everything, et cetera, et cetera. What these guys need is a guy like that on the court to teach them how to carry themselves and to execute in crunch time and in, in close basketball games, they lost a lot of close games last year uh, with a LeBron James. They might start winning those close basketball games. Just having someone that intelligent about the game and that physically gifted is going to lift them up in a certain way. I mean, unless they, unless one or two of them ends up pulling a Jordan Clarkson and thinking that they're still <laughs> the number one offensive <laughs> option on a team with LeBron James, uh, I think they're going to be okay. I don't, I don't anticipate them rebelling against LeBron James's wishes. And I think that's really the key is that they're able to be a true supporting cast for him. There isn't going to be that Kyrie uh, LeBron sort of ego issue where who's the leader of this team? Who's the man? There's, it's very clear who the man is on this team. There's no question. The, yeah. The only person <laughs> who might disrupt the harmony of his basketball team doesn't even work for the Lakers. And that's LeVar Ball. Oh, yeah. But, uh, that's a whole other issue, which I, I wrote about a couple months ago around, around the signing uh, for Bleacher Report. What will happen? 
with LeVar and, and LeBron. Well, well did you, uh, are you, are you available? I mean, are you able to, uh, to share any of that without giving away the whole, uh, the whole piece? What is going to happen? Well, just, I mean, it's all speculation because we haven't really, you know, this was written before LeBron had even worked out with the team, but you know, based on my understanding of one, how the Lakers PR organization and organization as a whole works and two, these personalities and how they've, you know, responded to these situations in the past. There will be moments that will be blown out of proportion, but at the end of the day, LeBron James, I mean, look at how LeBron James handled Trump. Mm. The perfect example of what LeBron James will do in a situation where a troll is going to needle him and try to get him to break or to, to engage with him on that sort of base guttural level. LeBron just didn't say anything. Yeah, Don Lemon went on CNN and it, and he responded to Donald Trump plenty, but LeBron James didn't say a word in response. He didn't tweet uh, LeBron or Trump is a bastard or anything like that. He didn't say anything, and that's what LeBron James will do with Levar Ball. People will ask him in press conferences and things like, "What do you think about this?" Think about this? Hey, man, he doesn't play for this team. That's right. Hey, man, he doesn't work for the Lakers. That's it. Do you uh, do you have any dreams that that maybe LeBron James would one day look right at you and tell you to do better tomorrow, based on a, a Levar Ball question? Oh man, I was like in the room when that happened. Oh, you were? Yeah, that was a <laughs> wild moment. Yeah, <laughs> where he just walked, he just stood up and walked away, and we were all just like, "Damn!" But he, the funny thing about about that is, you don't see what happens when he walks away from the camera. So he seems upset and everything, right? As he's walking away, but then he's like smiling and high fiving Michael Wilbon, and like it's not a big deal, right? Right. It was. He, it's, it's, the, it's, it's all theater. Yeah. It's all theater. Yeah. LeBron James is one of the masters of of communication and media relations and handling all that stuff. He's brilliant at it. Um, well, so so imagining imagining that if the Lakers get off to like a a middling start like has happened at LeBron's other times he's changed teams. If, if they end up like getting smoked on Christmas, uh, playing the warriors and it drops them to like 500 or a couple games under 500 and Masai Ujiri calls up and says, Hey, Kawhi Leonard, I'd like, uh, I'd like Alonzo ball and a Brandon Ingram or a Josh Hart and a Brandon Ingram. Uh, what do you think would happen then? I mean, the trade will happen if, if there's, if there's legitimate panic, but you're talking about trading signed assets on rookie deals yeah. for a guy you have to re-sign that summer for a massive contract. So would you guess Polinka holds the line with this with this young group? Or or would would you guess the Lakers maybe, you know, that's not like if you can just trade one of your young guys away or like, you know, an Ingram and Hart to get Kawhi already in the building after missing out on, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard earlier, would uh would would the Lakers, you know, maybe feel like that's the thing to do? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think the Paul George thing was a really specific case where I don't think he decided he wanted to play with LeBron James. That's fair. I think the LeBron thing was already sort of in the mix. Everybody kind of knew it was happening within NBA circles that, yeah, it's, it's the Lakers. It's the Lakers. It's the Lakers. It's the Lakers. I certainly heard it all the time. You know, just around people around saying, "Yeah, he's he's probably coming. He's probably coming." Um, so Paul George, I, I just don't think wanted to be 
the second fiddle to LeBron James. I, I think there are some people, for whatever reason, that don't find that to be an appealing option. Maybe they think that he's overbearing. Maybe they think that he's a know-it-all. Maybe they think that they're not going to be able to get the shine that they want. You know, Paul George, I think, had this idea that he'd come here and he'd be the savior of the Lakers. I'll just sign with the Lakers and I'll be the top guy. I'll be awesome. Mm. And then when you realize, oh, actually, you're just going to be some jabroni who's going to be carrying LeBron's bags, metaphorically speaking, that doesn't seem as fun. You get to be, you get to be sort of the tag team partner of Russell Westbrook versus just a guy on a team with LeBron James. LeBron will always be the top, top star anywhere he goes. And I think that's partially Kyrie's problem mm-hmm. and why Kyrie felt like he needed to go. It was not because he didn't, they don't like each other or something, but there's probably some professional jealousy, understandable professional jealousy whenever you get in a situation with somebody who you feel like is eclipsing you unfairly. You want to get away and you want to be the guy. You know, I get it. You want to have your own thing. And I just think Paul George probably didn't want to deal with the LeBron circus. Yeah. So Kawhi maybe feels differently. Kawhi comes from that San Antonio Spurs background of, you know, I don't need to be the top guy. I don't need to be anything special. I just need to be here to win basketball games. So he might not have that aversion to playing with LeBron James. So why not wait? Why not sign him once you've seen how this team does over 82 games? There's no reason to panic if they're at 500 on Christmas. Yeah. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Think about the yeah. Think about the first season LeBron played back in in Cleveland, or even the first season in Miami. They didn't click right away. Right. They just didn't, and it's, it takes time for a new basketball team with a gravitational force of the of the magnitude of LeBron James to figure out how they're going to execute. The difference in L.A., though, you, uh, the team could be, you know, like several games outside of the playoff picture, which would it seems like it would amp up that pressure. But, you know, it's a fun, it's a man, fun hypothetical for us uh, sure, sure. August the, dreamers. Yeah, I think the man knows what he signed up for. Yeah. I think he knows that this is the situation, and it might not be great right away. He had a mission in Miami, which was to win a championship. He won two. And his mission in Cleveland was to win a championship for his hometown, which was probably even more stressful. Yeah. You know, after finally getting the monkey off of his back of, I got to win one just so people will stop complaining that I'm never going to win a title and that I choke in stressful situations. Then he has to go and, and win one for the land and all that bullshit. So (laughs) I just think, uh, you know, now he can just relax. I think this is this is very clearly like LeBron's like princess cruise season. <laughs> like he's just like, whatever, man, I'm going to do a TV show here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do uninterrupted. I'm fine. <laughs> I don't need to win another title because if I'm not going to win seven, people are going to complain no matter what. Yeah. All right. So, Dave, as, as a writer at large. Seems like you're covering all, all sorts of sporting events. I see you in your social media feeds at, at various different events. So uh, what longstanding L.A. entity do you right now feel the most loyalty to? Is it LeBron James? Is it the Los Angeles Rams? Or is it the L.A. Football Club? 
the LeBron James as a person as opposed to the team? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm asking which of those three things are you most loyal to? LeBron James the person, Los Angeles Rams, or LAFC? Oh, boy, interesting. Well, I mean, I have LAFC season tickets, and so I'm at every home game. Uh, That's so a certain I level say, of loyalty. Yeah, I put money into it. <sighs> loyalty is a weird thing for a fan uh, or it certainly is a weird thing for a sports writer because you're not supposed to <laughs> right. support anybody. But I mean, everybody does now. There's not. All, I mean, Michelle Beadle's talking about the Spurs on on Get Up every every day. Um, I, I guess my loyalty stands more with with um, with LAFC just because I have the, the tickets. I'm just there I'm at go. every game. I see this see the same fans. It's it's kind of a ritual now. Uh, maybe if I had Ram season tickets, if I could afford that, <laughs> which I cannot, uh, I would feel that way about the Rams. I mean, I love the Rams. I'm excited for the season. I, I, I think that they're legit Super Bowl contenders. You heard it here first, Ooh, guys. Nice. But uh, yeah, I don't. We're, we're, I just it's not the same thing when you're watching it on TV versus being there and the camaraderie and the and the the pageantry, so to speak, of, of being in a sporting event. Gotcha. Well, so you, as an LA Rams fan, you had the luxury of running up against the the Jeff Fisher era as a fan. Ooh, baby. As a Hell Tennessee yeah. Titans fan, he's probably my favorite coach ever. Whatever that Amazon series was that covered the Los Angeles Rams, like the, the Jeff Fisher's oh, final year. All or nothing. All or nothing. Uh, I don't try to support many NFL things. Uh, strong recommend the Jeff Fisher season of all or nothing. It is incredible. I think it's also, it's kind of high comedy, maybe unintentional comedy. I don't know how much of, of a Jeff Fisher track record you have to have to enjoy it as fully as I did. But, uh, what's your favorite thing about Jeff Fisher? I think my favorite thing about Jeff Fisher is probably everybody's favorite thing about Jeff Fisher, uh, which is the fist pump. I don't know what that is. No, that gif of him trying to get his like put that piece of paper in his pocket. No, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that, just, yeah that too. Yeah, yeah. Just in general, I think his lack of self awareness is the most amazing thing about him. It's that incredible. He's just not not able to realize that people think he's a joke. Yeah, or that he does, but he knows deep down, I'm not a joke. I'm a great coach. We're not finishing fucking seven and nine. We're not finishing <laughs> fucking eight and eight. And of course, they finished four and twelve. <laughs> he was right. But they fucking sucks. Uh, yeah, it's just it's so funny to me how much hubris he has, despite being so obviously a failure. Uh, and I think that's always the funniest. The funniest characters are the ones that don't know that they're a laughing stock. It's sort of why I love the uh, the original British Office is because David Brent didn't really know he was a doofus. Yeah. But everybody else around him did. So Jeff Fisher is sort of as close as we'll ever get to like Michael Scott or David Brent from the various <laughs> office series in real life. Much like Michael Scott, I still have conflicting emotions over Jeff Fisher because the Titans were really good while he was, you know, the, the Titans coach. But there also are very few, like if a couple breaks go this way, if a Music City miracle goes this way, the Titans have a terrible record, like as far as like their postseason laughing stock. But the the lack of self awareness again. The scene where he gets fired and breaks it to his players is a laugh out loud funny again for maybe not uh, not understanding it's how so good. the situation oh, so reads because he is stunned and everyone in the world knows Jeff Fisher's getting fired. Like the week Jeff Fisher gets fired, uh, is there an NBA equivalent? Can you think of an NBA equivalent of of, of Jeff Fisher? God, that's tough because. 
it, it would require again a massive lack of self-awareness and a track record of futility that no one seems to really in the in the league admit exists because Jeff Fisher worked pretty steadily for a long time a long time despite being just a bad bad football coach uh and he went to one super bowl and he almost won it uh it's it's bizarre that he had any success when you think about how terrible the rest of his career was so i'm just, the nba is far less forgiving with coaches than than um than the NFL is there's there's only so many NFL coaches and it seems like the NBA there's always a, a hot new assistant coming up or somebody you know who is a college coach who people are like yeah he's going to be a great great coach or a former player or something in the NFL it seems like good lord like how does this guy keep getting a job or why is Hugh Jackson still the coach of the, of the Browns? He didn't <laughs> yeah. even win a fucking game last year. So uh, there's nobody that's that bad. I, how get, about, I, mean, I got, I got, I got one for you. This is what I, I think of Byron Scott. Oh yeah. Byron the, Scott Byron, had the, the finals with Jason Kidd early in his career. And then after that, historically one of the worst coaches as far as that one loss record. That is a great one. That is a great one. But then. I don't think about him anymore because he hasn't been in the league in so long. Yeah. Like the Lakers gave him that one, that one or what year and a half? Was it a year and a half or two years? No, I'm not. You're the, one, like, you're, you're the one to ask, not me. Can you babysit Kobe Bryant <laughs> right. for a while? And they paid him a, a, a hefty salary to babysit Kobe Bryant. Um, and then they sent him on his way. And now he's got a cushy job with the local T Lakers TV network. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't need to do anything. Yeah. At, the, at the very least we need to get Jeff Fisher back on TV. Cause I love watching. Him. <sighs> oh, I do too. But I don't think it'll be the same. He needs to be the coach of something and we need to follow the, the team. He, it's not going to be the same if he's just spouting, you know, uh, cliches on NFL live on ESPN. He needs to be coaching a football team. I need him to be the coach of the, I'm trying to think what would be a dead, the Buffalo. Oh yeah. Send him to Buffalo or yeah. just have him coach a different team every year. Put him in the quick CFL. It was a CFL needed, need a coach. Sure. Whatever the team is that Manziel plays for. There you go. There you go. I It just occurs to me. I'm, I'm sure he still lives somewhere near Nashville. I just need, I need to get, start a podcast with him. He might want, he might want a podcast. Uh, I think An he probably inspirational in- Jeff Fisher podcast. Come on. Did you see in, in Hard Knocks where he had a surfboard? I think he stayed in California. I did. I want to say he's, he's also got some farm in Montana. Yeah, like Montana or, or something. Yeah, he's one of those guys who's like, he wants to be amongst the nature. Yeah. So I don't think Nashville would be appealing to him for that well, I, I, reason. I, I, again, I'm sure he still owns a home here. Owns a home here. I want to say maybe he's got young kid. I don't know. Anyway. We'll, yeah, we'll, Stan Kroenke paid for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's close it down. Last question. Uh, Bruce Bowen got fired today for working on the LA Clippers broadcast for criticizing Kawhi. Would you like to criticize Kawhi, Dave? I know. Okay. No, I think he was probably right. That's fair. That's I think fair. he was probably right to be upset about the training staff in San Antonio. They misdiagnosed Danny Green's injury for the entire season. I was taken out of context. What do you mean it was taken out of context? Well, Danny Green walked it back to say that, you know, he, it was, you know, he, he thought people were glomming onto that single sound bite where he, 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 I don't feel like he thought they did anything wrong, but I like the angle you're the taking, tr- which is Kawhi's truth, angle. Yeah. The truth 
is always the first thing someone says, and then they walk it back with the lie. There you go. I'm oh. sorry. Kawhi Leonard is a, a great player. He There had been no problems with him at all. There you but go. a model citizen of the NBA <laughs> until last year. Why is that? Why could that be? I don't know. They were also saying shit about him while he was injured. You're 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 presenting the, the the front that you need to put up for as a Lakers fan. I'll, I'm, I'll try to I, use this I, as the as the clip we share with other people. No man, I'm angling to get Bruce Bowen's old job with the Clippers. Now we're talking. Give me on t. Give me on prime ticket. I'm ready. You are ready. Well, Dave Schilling, thanks so much for taking time to no problem. Uh, join me. Tell people when they can uh, next uh, hear or read you or what they should be following from you. I mean, just follow me on Twitter at Dave underscore Schilling. Um, I'll certainly be uh, writing a lot more as the NBA season, thank God, finally approaches because it's been terrible without it. Uh, I'm sure I'll pop up on Round Ball Rock soon enough. So there we go. Go, f- go subscribe. Uh, Sean and Joey are very funny and, and do a great podcast. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll be guessing on other things as the season progresses. Sounds good, Dave. Uh, thanks again for coming on, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. No problem. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks to Dave once again for coming on the show. If you want to get more Fast Break Breakfast, you can do that at patreon.com slash breakfast. That is also the best way to support our program. For $1 a month, you get access to exclusive bonus content. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Fast Break Break. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being G&G. Fast break break, man, you understand?